Tales of the New World. By S. D. Hudson. A Farland Mistake Chapter One Contemplation Day It was cold in the Grand Orb, much colder than in recent times, and although the morning sun lit up each pane of its glass-domed roof, the masters were feeling altogether frosty. Being underground didn't help matters. In fact, it only made things worse. But there was always Daisy, of course. And sensing their need, in she came with her hot carob buns and sweet, crackling carrots. This was better. Now the wait for the wise one would be that little bit more comfortable. It was the day of contemplation, and the only sound coming from the meadow above was that of the new world giant as it pumped its bluest oxygen through each coloured vein into the atmosphere beyond. Peace reigned, and peace was very welcome, for the masters needed to focus. Having left the meadow folk to their silent reflection, they had made their way through the tunnels, and now sat at the table of trigons, ready to learn more of the old world ways, and the implications these had for the new. It's nice, ain't it, knowing we don't have any fires to put out? said Jeremiah, taking a long draught of the steaming liquid placed in front of him. Quiet doesn't necessarily equate to peace, Fortenua replied, not quite comfortable with resting on her laurels. It is nice, confirmed Delilah. It's very nice, very nice indeed to be free from such distraction. She preened her long ears. Of all the masters, Delilah is the one most affected by noise, and she prefers silence to anything else. As long as there's nutritional compensation, I'm okay either way, chimed in Jasper, opening his protruding lower jaw to accommodate three more of Daisy's finest. Do you have to do that? reprimanded the cockatrice. He turned to face her, and the emerald green in his nose faded momentarily. Then as quickly as it left, it returned, and Jasper replied, Waste not, want not. You finished. Jeremiah laughed. It was funny seeing Fortenua's words dismissed in such a way. To Jasper they were like water off a duck's back. But when a truffle pog smells food, nothing else matters, not even his pride. You are finished. We better clean up now, 
he interrupted. The center of the table's beginning to spin. He'll be here any moment now, mark my words. Daisy will be needing a little extra help in here if you be so kind. And without further ado, Daisy tidied away as much as she could before the orb became filled with the most brilliant of brilliant white lights. Chapter 2 The Old World Cops So what exactly are we supposed to do with this news? stated Fortenua, her beak sharp, her eyes sharper still. Without us cleaning everything they bring in, including themselves, they'd be poisoned. Really, I despair. As if the meadow's not working hard enough to protect the farland folk. The master sat in disbelief. Their lesson with the wise one had been illuminating, but any strength they had gained from it was now consumed in his final words about a change in farland energy. It seemed there was a plot made by some farland folk to visit the old world in secret. Now it was up to the masters to find out exactly who was responsible for such plans, and just how they intended to execute them. I knew it was too good to be true, said Fortenua. But how is it possible anyway? questioned Delilah. Just how? They can't get to the cops without passing us in the meadow. But that's the only way in, isn't it? And we'd surely see them if they passed through, wouldn't we? We'd surely see them. Jeremiah stared at the afterglow where the wise one had been. It was changing from blue to green to red to violet. And then it came to him. Not if they use the crystal amulets. Amulets, repeated Jasper, beginning to regret his last crackling carrot. But they're protected, aren't they? Yes, Fortenio agreed, pleased the master in training had picked up something from his lessons. To remove them would eliminate all protection from within the crystal sanctor, and that would mean no place of refuge in any of the lands. They're part of the rose windows. They can't be. Jasper stopped in mid-sentence to rub his stomach. Removed? Fortenio had neither the patience nor the time to wait for his indigestion to pass. Good point. They were placed at the centre of each window to channel the veil of protection within. But clearly some value sanctity less than others and are more than willing to betray the one true word. The glow around Jeremiah was getting brighter. He knew he would have to control his anger if he was to approach this with a clear head. The only way the crystal amulets can be removed is if they're all removed together, at the same time. When the sun's first beams cut through them, that's the only time it can happen, and even then they must be removed together. He paused in disbelief. It ain't never been heard of before, the Farland folk working together like this. But there's a first time for everything, I suppose. Why would anyone want to go to the old world anyway? Fortenua demanded. It's poisonous and they have very little regard for our ways. The grass is always greener for some folks. They never be learning. Jeremiah was well aware some Farland folk considered the masters to be the dictators of what they could and couldn't do. 
and resented them for it. But there was so much more to the role of master than just that. They were there to protect the farland folk and the haven they lived in. It was at times a thankless task, but the facts remained the same. The meadow folk were the only ones who could safely visit the old world cops, and even then they had to work day and night to remove the old poison from any produce brought in. But even though the farland folk had been told this many times, some still failed to accept the word of their masters. Jeremiah sighed, a long, deep sigh. This was going to be hard work. He could feel it. There's no way round it. We'll have to reach the medicine wheel before any of them can. The sun's already up and they'll be fixing to place the amulets by midday. When it's at its highest, they'll get passage through, unless we can get to them first. I can't quite believe they're all in it together, but there you are. Who? asked Jasper. Who is it that's doing this? The folk who's related to those still there. And Fortenure added, You've heard of the Winter Witches in the Land of Winter? The Baldnecks be the only ones in the Land of Summer. The one who Deridin, he's the only one in the Land of Spring with relatives there. And the bog-eyed Melagulus, it must be him from the Land of Autumn. He tells everyone he's got memories of the old world imprinted on his eyes. So there we have it, said Jeremiah, a right motley crew. We certainly got our work cut out for us, there's no mistake in that. But they'll bring back such poison, such poison that will destroy us all, lamented the Delhi Lala. It'll be on their clothes and their fur, they won't even know it. Exactly. It's a good thing it'd be contemplation day and the meadow's not needing us, said Jeremiah. It'll take all of us to prevent a disaster, that's for certain. They sat in silence for a time and thought about the mission ahead, each one aware of the contribution they must make and the commitment they must give. The medicine wheel sat high on the heartlands in the great beyond. It wasn't the most accommodating of places, but it was easy enough to get to via the tunnels. Then preparing themselves accordingly, they left, safe in the knowledge the meadow would be okay without them. Little did they know, the meadow was about to need them more than ever before. Chapter 3 An Amazing Sight It was not long before they were at the medicine wheel, and looking upon the huge circle of stone set into the rock bed beneath. They're in place already, Votenua said, her eyes red with anger. And sure enough, the four crystal amulets had already been placed in the north, south, east and west positions of the circle, aglow with vivid beams of green, red, blue and violet. We're too late, too late, I say, screeched Delilah, shocked at such a waste of healing energy. But what had happened had happened, and there was no time to lament it now, for right at the heart of the wheel a gaping chasm had emerged with a winding slope so steep it could only be used for one thing. It's a slide, a slide, I say, screeched the Lala, 
her tiny wings flicking back and forth as she hovered above it. They must have gone already, said Jasper. They'll be in the old world by now. And Jeremiah agreed. He beckoned to Fortenua as the other two looked on. Come, the sun'll sink quickly at this time of the year. They mustn't be in the old world cops after dark. And close on his tail, Fortenua shouted, You two, make your way back to the meadow and guard it as best as you can. Chapter 4 Trouble in the Cops Back in the meadow, it was as quiet as they had left it. Quieter, in fact, which eased both Jasper and Delilah a little, even though the responsibility they had been left with was much bigger than any they had been given before. The majority of meadow folk were now sitting in a circle, partaking in a humble repast and giving thanks for all they had been blessed with whilst living there. It was a calm affair and peaceful, so the masters joined them and prepared to wait for their fellows' return. Over in the Old World Copse, however, things were looking very different. Both the bunyip and the cockatrice were now searching wildly for any signs of the new world painfully aware of the impending sunset. They went this way, shouted Fortenua as Jeremiah scoured the ground near the crystal waters, and following her lead he made his way further into the densest part of the thicket, that place far enough away from the old world's skies so as to be safe, yet far enough away from the new world as to be dangerous. Ah! snapped Jeremiah, smarting from the sharp thorns, and manifesting a blue shield of Bekchi around him to protect his sensitive skin from further scratches. He forced his huge frame through. The cockatrice, meanwhile, had spotted someone. It was the dog deer, the keeper of the old world cops, and a good friend of Jeremiah's. How pleasant to be seeing you again, greeted Jeremiah, and they exchanged further salutation. Then after all necessary introduction, the dog deer told them all about the farland folk crashing into the heart of the copse without any protection whatsoever. They'd been foraging excessively since and upsetting all those animals who looked to the copse as their only safe haven. Jeremiah couldn't apologize enough. This was more than embarrassing. But lifting his gnarled antlers, the dog deer smiled, his soft brown eyes filled with nothing but kind thoughts. He knew Jeremiah would do his best. Jeremiah always did. Never you mind now, it's been lovely to see you. Don't leave it so long next time, he said. And Jeremiah, amazed at just how understanding his humble friend was, said, I surely won't, before catching Fortenua's eye. Fortenua could hardly believe what she had just witnessed. How is it that one under such compromise is so at peace with what little he has? She whispered as they walked away. It just doesn't make sense. This old world is an unforgiving place. His life will be cut short a lot sooner than ours ever would, yet he seems as happy as any happy person I've ever met. Jeremiah smiled. 
For an intelligent being, you don't have to say some funny things sometimes. What do you mean, funny? The look on Fortenua's face was nothing short of indignant. There's nothing funny about what I said. What exactly is it you're suggesting, then? That he lives the one life he's blessed to have in misery? To this Fortenua said nothing, but there was nothing to say. The old world animals knew no different. As far as they were concerned, they were safe in the copse, much safer than they would be anywhere else. Now let's get back to the job in hand, said Jeremiah. Do you see anything ahead? Fortenua stopped and scanned the area. Then pointing with her right wing, she whispered, Over there, and led the way to where the Malagalus, Deridin, and Wendell Witch were huddled together, thick as thieves behind an old blueberry bush. There you are, shouted Jeremiah, making them jump out of their skins. They had mistakenly relied on having just enough time to get back unseen, and they were not expecting this. Do you have any idea of the danger you're putting us in? They can't, can they? added Fortenua. Otherwise, why would they do such a stupid thing? It's just foraging, insisted the Wendell Witch. You meadowfolk do it all the time, only we're getting sick of the meagre offerings available every trading day. It's about time things moved on. Moved on? There'll only be one thing moving on if you carry on like this, said Jeremiah, blue sparks shooting from his claws and forcing them to their knees. Now where's the baldnecks? They've left, stuttered the Malagulus, shielding his tiny eyes from Fortenua's determined glare. And stunned by the master's combined energy, he, the Deridin and the Wendell Witch, dropped everything they had collected in a large heap in front of them. The glass chips, the brightly coloured plastics, everything. Jeremiah thought about it carefully. There ain't nothing we can do for the Baldnecks now. It's getting late and the time for patience is over. They'll just have to seek refuge here in the copse. Hopefully the Ferrador won't touch them. Ferrador? uttered the Malagulus, his bony frame smarting at the mere mention of them. That's right, the Ferrador. The evil blackbirds Jeremiah spoke of thrived on old world poison. The more poison they were exposed to, the stronger they became. And being of the old world, but distantly related to some in the new, they also sought the new world elixir, running through the veins of those who lived there. It was like a tonic to them, and if they couldn't get that, they made do with the next best thing, the blood from those in the copse. Come with us. Jeremiah insisted. You'll not be able to return to your homes now. Do you realise the severity of what you've done? Their vacant expressions gave nothing away. So in stepped Fortenua, happy to set things straight. All those highly polished things you consider to be so pretty are about to kill you, she said. You aren't meadow folk and you have no protection whatsoever. Even we of the meadow handle things from the cops for a very short time before making it fit for new world consumption. But you, apparently, are beyond such precaution. Well, good luck with that. 
She was sick and tired of such far land arrogance, and her heartless words, they did the trick, for now the far land folk understood. But it was just too little too late. And as a strange weakness came over them, they began to sway this way and that, this way and that, before suddenly collapsing at for tenuous clues. She jumped back, disgusted at what she saw as such a pathetic display. We'll never get them back if they can't make it on their own. Their skin's lifeless and their determination gone. They're as good as useless. The poison's taken a hold, that's for sure, Jeremiah agreed. The last thing we want is the ferridor getting something out of this. He looked down at the task in hand. The Melagulus was slight, no larger than an old world lynx, but added to the bulk of the tall and spiny Derridin and the Wendell Witch, the three of them would be too awkward for Jeremiah and Fortenua to carry alone, especially as flying in the old world was out of the question. And what about the bald necks? asked Fortenua. Jeremiah looked up. The sun was even lower still. It would not be long before the ferridor arrived. There's nothing that can be done. It's just too late. They're hardier than most, and they made their choice the moment they flew out of the cops. We'll not be seeing them again. He shook himself vigorously, as if to rid himself of such disappointment. Now we got to get back. Let's say no more about it. And so, with the help of the old world animals, the masters returned to the bank of the crystal waters and dragged the now very sick farland folk onto the raft to cross them. Then joining their energy with that of the meadow bank, they created a kind of cradle which lifted the folk off the ground and held them suspended in mid-air whilst they decided what to do next. We're gonna need help, said Jeremiah. But little did he know, they weren't the only ones in such a predicament. From up in the meadow came the sounds of panic. Something was terribly wrong, and realising she must advise the remaining masters of their return, the cockatrice sent out two high-pitched screeches, which she knew only Delilah would be able to hear. Then sure enough, within seconds, the fawn-coloured, tiny-winged being darted this way and that, this way and that, to join them, followed by a clumsy ball of golden fur which rolled headlong down the bank and crashed into her at the bottom. Jasper! she screeched, but this was no time for fun and games. What's going on up there? demanded Fortenua. Oh, thank goodness, thank goodness you're here, screeched Delilah. It's the meadow, the meadow, I say, the grass is turning black. What? We were sitting with the other meadow folk, keeping an eye and waiting for your return, like you said, Jeremiah, like you said, when the tiniest, shiniest stone fell from the sky and landed in the middle of us. When it touched the ground, the grass turned black, and now the poison's seeping further and further in. It's the bald necks, said Fortenua. They must have dropped it. They're trying to get back in. But nothing can get through that way. The bet she sees to that. Usually, yes, but it's now compromises we've brought too much old world energy in. We'll have to take this to the wise one. No, insisted Jeremiah. 
He gave this problem to us to deal with, and deal with it we will. You two will just have to take over. He looked at the newest master and the master in training. Can I rely on you to focus enough that your Bekchi will remain as powerful as it can be? Under no circumstances must these folk touch the ground. The fate of the meadow lies in your hands now. And channeling their powers to produce the most vivid beam of bright light energy from deep within, Delilah's violet glow came together with Jasper's emerald green and the cradle remained intact, albeit of a different colour. Reassured at this, Jeremiah dashed up the bank with Fortenior in hot pursuit to do the one thing that could save the meadow before it was too late. Come everybody, don't be afraid now, climb into the giant and you'll be safe. And relieved to see his return, every meadow person did exactly what they were bid. Into the huge tree they climbed and waited to see what would happen next as the ground beneath them became consumed in a fine black ash. Now hold on, demanded Fortenua, and each person held onto a branch as tightly as they could, whilst the new world giant began to shake vigorously. The harder they held, the more it shook, until the brightly coloured leaves started floating to the ground and disintegrating into coloured dust that eventually eliminated all blackness from the meadow. As for the tiny chip that had caused such destruction, that disintegrated too, with the help of the purest oxygen held in each coloured leaf. Then seeing peace restored, the masters returned to Jasper and Delilah at the bank to help transport the cradle and its occupants up to the giant, where they would be revitalised and cleansed enough that it was safe to send them to the great beyond to remain in isolation for thirty days and thirty nights. And when this was done, they stopped to consider the huge sacrifice made, for the veins in the new world giant had now lost all their colour, and its leaves lay dead on the ground below. It was a sombre meadow that met the masters the next day. But having been called to the presence of the wise one, they all felt that little bit better. And as for the giant, it would take some time before it was ready to contribute all that it had done in the past. But having donated some of his energy to help things along, the wise one assured them, it would be no time at all before little shoots of every colour imaginable would push their way through each branch, bringing hope to the meadow once more. The end.